0: Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Man, I'm glad I'm inside not out in that rain. You know, we're talking about how, you know, the rain falls and it saturates the ground and doesn't leave a dry place and you know, if you look at just a few weeks ago, we were in 100% drought, cracks in the ground, and everything is dry and dusty, and, and then just one big outpouring of physical rain changes the whole makeup of the condition. So in our lives, I think sometimes we've got to be mindful of that. That's how the Spirit of God works. Sometimes there's dryness, and, there's just, and we're in need of saturation. But I'll tell you what, when that rain comes in the magnitude that it comes, sometimes it just begins to wash and remove all of the sediment. And I got this little spot that drains out on my slab, and it always gets a whole collection of leaves. You know, drainage works real good when it can drain, right? So I'll have to go over there every now and then, I'll pick up those leaves, and then it'll drain like it's supposed to. But when when that rain comes, there's things sometimes that stack up. And we need Father God so desperately just to grab those things, get rid of them, so we can be washed by his presence. Amen. That's for some of you this morning. God just wants to wash you and just lavish his goodness on you this morning. And he's so willing. When we think we're going to not make it or we're going to dry up or we're going to run out of our grace, that's when his grace endures in our life. Amen. Anybody need any of that this morning? Just lift your hand and you say, Yes, me. <laughs> I need some of that, Lord. So this morning, we are going to look at, this is our second week. How many of you, this is your first time here this morning? Got one? All right. Because I was saying, if there's any more than that, did they warn you I'm teaching on giving? I I, I told them to warn everybody. I said, I'm not a pastor that, that beats the door down on giving and finances, but it is just as critical as other things in your life. I feel like if I don't communicate to you some principles about giving and ways to manage money, that you you will you'll have just as much hardship as other topics, right? You know, all of us parents know, hey, we need to talk about parenting because we don't always know what we're doing even when we fake like we know what we're doing, right? Amen? Fake it till you make it type rule, right? But we can take that wisdom from other people and we can apply those principles. So finances are the same way. So today this message is going to be very practical-based, there's going to be some principles, some things that I tell you that are just practical financial advice that will help you. Now, some of you say, hey, I'm not a good money manager. I don't know anything about finances. My finances are in a, in a wreck and they're just all out of control. This message is going to be for you this morning. So when we, when we apply practical principles with biblical principles, we see something awesome happen. We see, we see God provide the provision, but he also gives us the guidance and the, and the strategy to be successful. You, you realize that? God can bless it, but he still requires us to practice principles that really are the vehicle to cause the success, okay? So this morning, we're going to talk about finances, and how many of you know that there's usually two types of people? There are spenders. Who are the spenders in the house? No spenders? And then the other side is what? The savers, always trying to save the next penny. How much more can I save? How much is enough? Well, did we save this month? You know, and, 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 you know, that's, you know, I tend to, I guess, be a saver and then an impulse spender. What does that mean, Pastor? No, I save up a lot of money, then guess what? I spend a lot of money, right? You know, but there's these principles that you tend to be a spender or you tend to be a saver, but there has to be a balance of both, You know, as I look at my kids and they grow up, it's funny to watch them because I see the different dynamics in their life. Samuel can't hold on to a dollar to save his life. He's always looking to spend it. He's like, oh, I'll get that. I'll spend it. He cannot keep money. Now I'm praying to God we teach him how to manage finances because I don't want him always being broken, always spending his money. And then I have Cassidy on the other side. She is always a saver. She'll set the money out. Because we've been trying to teach them principles of giving also, right? And saving and spending. You know, so they'll set aside their offering, their tithe that they bring. And sometimes you see the chaos. When I start handing out dollars, I pass out to all the other kids because I don't want them to feel bad. And, uh, but they have an opportunity to give. So she'll set those out. She'll say, okay, this is my giving. This is, this is my, sa- you know, my spending. And But she always makes sure she has some savings. That's a good principle, right? You know, I don't know if she realizes the value of what she has, but she knows she needs to have some left over. And then grace, on the other hand, she has no clue what's going on. She'll hold the money up and say, mom, can I get this? Do I have enough for it? If we say yes, she'll get it. She doesn't care about price tags. She doesn't care how much it is. Can I get this with this? And if I can, great. No understanding on the value of money. Never worked an hour on at minimum wage ever. Like, you know, it's just, you know, so it's these principles just because they're not working for it doesn't mean that they can't learn these principles early on. Because let me tell you what happens when you begin to work for your money, it becomes more important to you how you spend it. Guarantee it. Buy something really, really expensive and then the first person that comes across that accidentally messes it up, it's a lot more personal now. And all you kiddos didn't realize you've been wrecking mom and dad stuff your whole life. And at one day, you're going to get the return on that. Um, but I think how we spend money, it really, really matters. So there's a few principles and, and finance, uh, ways to be financially successful. So everything I'm going to talk about today, if you weren't here last week, you can look at the podcast, you can go to the Facebook Live, you can watch the video. But we talked about the reason as far as why should you give? Why should you give a tithe? Why is a tithe important? Why is offering? Why is the attitude in which you give important? We covered all of that last week, so I'm not going to repeat that. If you want to watch that, I feel like we really covered some scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, and we really came to the conclusion, based on scripture, God wants you to be a giver. That's the best I can explain it. You know, Now, there might be some, some conflict as to how much you should give, but what we can come into agreement is you should be a giver. Okay, so all of these principles that I'm going to talk about today, they're going to be wrapped around the idea or the, or the biblical financial plan of giving, of giving 10%. 10%, when we look at the Old Testament, was a tithe. Now, you may agree with it. You may not agree with it. Okay, if the 10% is messing you up, figure out how much you want to give because that's what it says. God loves a cheerful giver. You must decide in your heart what you've decided to give, whatever that is, I believe God will work within that. But for the sake of the principles and the the way we're going to break this down, we're going to base everything off of a 10% or a tithe when we talk about these finance principles, okay? Um, So we know from last week that biblical tithe is 10%, all right? So finance principles only work when they are applied, okay? Just like weight training can work really well. But if the weights sit there and they're never picked up, do they do you any value? Yes or no? Right? You can say all day long, oh man, these weights can make me strong, you know, that treadmill make me lose some weight, but if you sit there and look at it, and you don't apply that to your life, it will never change the situation or the circumstance. You guys are okay with some practical teaching today, right? How many of you say, Pastor Noah, I need help in my finances this morning? Anybody? Or you got it all figured out. Right? We all can use some help, right? There's times we do well, there's times we do poor, but we have to continually focus on what we are doing with our finances if we want to be successful, Okay, so being a good money manager requires you to be consistent and intentional about how you spend your money. You know, I, I, uh, I think every now and then, I just won't think about what I'm spending, but most of the time, I'm always thinking, I always know either how much I have in my bank account or how little I have in my bank account, whatever the situation may be, and, and that really, I'm paying attention as I spend. I just don't keep swiping or keep spending. You have overdrawn or your card has been declined. If that happens, I just had a really, really bad day. You know, early, early on in our marriage, I think we bounced a check once. No, we bounced it twice because the second one almost flew off the hinge. Because I said, the first time, baby, we don't, we don't bounce checks. Because all it was, it wasn't that we had the, didn't have the money. We just didn't move the money from the savings to the checking, So, I'll tell you what, Pastor Noe does not give away free money to financial institutions. I'm not going to spend $21 on a bounce check. I'm not going to have an overdraft fee. You're not going to take interest on my money. I'm going to pay cash and I'm going to work the system to my advantage. So, me and my wife had an early, early on, I was talking to to a few couples asking, Hey, how's marriage going? Have you had a fight yet? I said, No, not yet. I said, Give it some time. It's going to (laughs) happen. You're going to have a conflict. You're going to have disagreement. But I remember that second time we did it, that, that she overdrafted. I said, oh, man, Jesus help me. Remember I said I used to have anger issues a long time ago before I came to find Jesus. I felt those deep roots start coming back. And I said, Lord, give me grace. I said, baby, we do not give away free money. So we got a little bit strict. We got a little bit more disciplined. We had to pay a little bit more attention to what we were doing financially. And you say, why does 21 bucks matter? If it don't matter to you, everybody take out $21 and give it to me. It don't matter? Well, I'll, well let me take all your $21 and we'll add it up and see what it came in, turned into. Every little bit counts when we're talking about money. That consistency, see, that intentionalness, if you save, you will have, you'll have something to show for it if you do it consistently and long enough. You know, I have a lot of people tell me, oh, I can't save a lot or I don't have a lot in the bank. I say, well, what would you put aside this month? Well, nothing. Well, that ain't going to help you. You know, if you don't have anything, even putting $10 a month at the end of the year is going to give you $120. And that's more than you have in savings right now. So that is a step in the right direction. So it's small increments being intentional over the course of time that will make you financially sound. It's not rocket science, but you do have to tell your money what to do rather than allowing your money to control you or the telemarketers, or the commercials, or the credit card agencies. Hey, listen, if you take the bait of this bot, get it now, pay for it later nonsense, please don't do that. You know, a lot of these things that say, hey, get it now, you can pay for it later. Well, there's this thing called interest and there's this thing, you know, that, you know, more than likely they want you to forget about it. Then you have to pay the interest and then you're losing money. You're paying interest on the money that you could have just paid cash for. So we have to understand that the credit card agencies, all these telemarketers, all of these things, if anybody has taken the bait on that your extended car warranty is available to you and you have answered that phone call and called them back and gave them a credit card number, shame on you. Has anybody done that? Please, God, no. You did better not, Freddie. That'd be a bad day. Like, you know, don't take the bait. These people are not your friend. They want to take advantage of you. They're going to work the system. And really, why does this matter, Pastor Noe? Because if God wants you to be financially wealthy. He wants you to be blessed. But if we are ignorant in the way that we spend our finances, we cannot reap the benefits of being financially blessed. And most of the time, because it's just we're we're supporting the wrong principles, but I believe that there's some things that we can do that will really help us to live that financially blessed life and, and really succeed in this lifetime. So the definition, when we talk about being a good money manager, the definition of a manager is to be in charge of, to administer, or to run our finances. That's what it's talking about. So you should be in charge of your money, not your money in charge of you. I've never had my money twist my arm and make me do something. Now some of you say, well, ha you come home, well, how'd you spend all that money? Well, I just don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You walk to the store, you got your card, you got your cash, and you came back empty, right? You walk through that process of what you spend. Now, find this balance because I believe that once you get to that place of where your finances are working, God is blessing the increase, and there is an excessive amount You're free to do a lot of these things, but you have to get to that place of being financially well-off and really getting your your finances in order so that all of these things of spending and saving and giving can be a blessing. Okay? All right, so let's look at Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. This is in the New King James Version. So, So look what this principle says. It says, There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right but it leads to poverty. So the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also himself be watered. So if we look at this principle, how many of you know that this principle actually goes against what a lot of people will tell you? It says that he who scatters, what happens? More comes back. Well, in a a non- spiritual sense, that would make no sense. You're telling me, Noe, to take what God has given me, my financial provision, and scatter it and give it, and you're telling me it's going to multiply? Look what this other part of this verse says, but it says that there are those who withhold, who save, who keep, but it's not just keeping, right? More than is what? Right. So, so that, that's the linchpin, because it's saying this is something that is not, you're not supposed to keep it in your possession. Now, if we go back to the book of Malachi, and I'm just going to polish real quick, it says, you are under a curse because you are keeping the tithe, which is what? Mine. So there's there's a principle to make sure that if there is something in your possession that is God or has been set apart or has been consecrated to the Lord, that it is never in your possession. Right? There's a a story about a guy that kept some treasure from from a battle in the Bible, and it says the whole, all of them were cursed because of one man's sin. He withheld what was the Lord's, what was set apart, what was sacred. And I really believe that's what God is saying in this passage just more than is right. You're withholding these things that are really God's. Well, if they're God's, I want to get them out of my tent. I want to bring them to the altar. I want to bring them, bring God what's his. You know, also in that wordage in Malachi, it says, bring me. That shows a lot of ownership to it. It's not just, hey, if you want, if it's convenient, you know, it's it's really God saying, bring me what's mine. Right? And it was a big deal. But it says that, you know, this one that withholds, what happens? It will lead to poverty. Well, in my mind, if I keep it all, I save it all in the bank, wouldn't I have more? You would think, but it says he who scatters yet increases more. Him who is, who is a generous soul will be made rich. So him that releases, that gives will be rewarded, right? We see the sowing and reaping. And he who waters will also be watered himself. You know, because a lot of, I think a lot of times we want to discard the sowing and reaping, the, the, the law. There, there's still a, a return on whatever God asks us to do, okay? So this passage really reflects on godly principles at work and goes against what most people will tell you. He who scatters more will increase, but the one that withholds more, not giving God what is his, will be led to poverty, and the generous soul will be made rich. So I've always had one question that I've asked myself, you know, how can it be so hard for people to give to God and have enough left over to bless others? You know, uh, this principle of how how can we give in a way that is easy and a joy to give? How many of you know if it's the last bit of money you have and you don't know if you're going to make it? That is not fun. That is not. That is stressful. That is overwhelming. Now, I'm having to trust God, but sometimes it it removes the blessing of giving. Because I get to the place of where, Lord, I don't even know what to do. All my money is gone. I don't know what to do in this situation. You know, and this is actually something I asked God about. You know, I believe that you can ask God specific questions and, and He'll give you specific answers. And, you know, I asked Lord, I said, why are so many people struggling to give in the church? You know, I've been involved in the church a long time before I was a pastor of a church and just seeing some can give freely and, man, love giving. And then for others, it's just, man, I just can't give. I just, I can't, I don't ever seem to have enough or I can't make it stretch enough. And, and there's never enough. But, you know, many people always just focus on giving the tithe, well, if I come and I give a tithe, then everything else is going to be okay. God promises to bless everything else. So if I just do the basic math, I'm giving 10% and then I'm working to live on 90%, right? Well, we focus on the 10% fixing everything else, right? But, this, you know, but something you know, we has to change in our way we think you know, is that the problem is not with the 10%. The problem is how we spend the 90%. Say, so Pastor Noe, I thought that 10% blessed it all. It has the potential to, but if you're still living ignorantly and just being foolish with all your money, there will never be enough. Tithing does not give you the freedom to be ignorant with everything else. You know, that's really what God was saying. He said, Noe, it has nothing to do with the 10%. I desire to bless people. I desire for this, this, this principle to happen and to thrive in people's lives. But people have to be good managers of the 90%. So I'm not here to tell you today about the 10%. I want to focus on the 90% because I believe if we focus on the 90%, it will be a blessing to give the 10%. It just will. It's going to be easy. It's going to be, it's going to be of a benefit to you and you, it's going to be easier. You know, I joked around a little bit last week that God loves a cheerful giver. If all your finances are out of whack, you think it's going to be a blessing or you're going to be walking up to the offering bucket just frustrated and mad and well, I guess my kids aren't going to eat today, and you give the... Le- I mean, like, is this really what God really meant? When he said, cheerfully, what you've decided in your heart? You get to the end, and you're or you're trying to give, and you don't have anything left? Well, that's easy to decide what I'm going to give. I'm going to give nothing. I have nothing left. Right? But I think there's some principles that we can apply that will really change the way we live. But in order for the 10% to be blessed when we give, you have to get the 90% under control. So today, I hope if you take, have one takeaway from the message is that y- you need to allow God to steward everything you bring in. I know a lot of people say, well, Lord, I'm going to give you the 10%. I'm going to do whatever I want with the 90. Good luck to you. We need God to take 100% of everything we have and show us what in the world to do with it. We need to see every provision from God. You know, I know a lot of us, that's what we do. We just say, all right, Lord, here's, here's everything I bring in. Lord, this is yours. Ooh, this is mine. And sometimes we make foolish mistakes in what we purchase or what we buy, and we don't, we don't ask God for wisdom and direction in how to manage the 100%. But if you'll submit your natural resources to Him and ask Him to help you manage your money, He will direct and He will guide you. So that, that's the takeaway from this message today, you know, as, as we begin to look through these. Ask God for help. If you say today, Pastor Noe, my finances are a mess. Man, I don't even know how I can give. I desire to give, but I don't know how. I never have enough at the end of the month. You know, I just don't know how I would do it. Ask God to get involved in the big picture. Luke, Luke six thirty seven and thirty eight. Here is what it says. I gave you this full context because a lot of people say, well, this passage doesn't have to do with, with money. This has to do with judging. Now, yeah, so the chapter does say judging when, you know, like whatever. But let me read this thing in this whole context and you'll see the principle that it's talking about. Starting in verse 37, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So this whole passage, like a lot of people say, Oh, you can't talk about finances with that. This whole thing talks about the principle of sowing and reaping. What you give, you get. What you withhold is gets withheld from you, right? What you give will be given back. Okay. So when we look at this passage, there's two action words that, that, that are here. It says when you give and how you use it. These are not passive words. This doesn't mean that you can just hold on to your money and do nothing with it. But when you give, giving requires what a letting go of and using it actually means putting it to work. How many of you have investments or 401ks or you dabble in the stock market or whatever? How many of you do that? Man, if you're not saving up or whatever, you got to get on that, right? You know, but hey, that's, that's what? That's putting your money to work. That is using your money to what? Make money. Tell you what, the money that's multiplied on itself, that's the easiest money I ever made. But the system works, right? But that is putting your money to work. That is allowing your money to work for you, right? And I think there's principles that when we put our money and we give our money in specific ways, that money can begin to go to work for us right? So when we give, when we use it, this is something that is proactive. This is something passive. And, and it, it explains it. It says when it, it'll be given to you, but how will it be given to you? Look at this wordage. It says a good measure. So that's a good bit. It's a lot, right? Press down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. So in the old Bible days, what they would do when they would go to the crops, they would get this basket and they would pour out whatever they were receiving, and they, they would get that basket. And when they say, it will be given to you in good measure, it'll be put in a lot. And when it says, shaken together, poured in, you know, running over. So what they would do, they would get that basket, and as that, that was being poured out, they would shake it. Oh, wait, wait, They would set the basket down. They would press it. They, they, they were fixed filling that basket to full capacity. Now, this is the example that God uses. He says, when you give, this is the abundance that I'm going to give you. So when I was in high school, uh, our teachers gave us a project to build a bowl or a contraption to, to hold popcorn. Now, let me tell you, when, 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 the, when she did that, I started thinking about this scripture. I said, shaking together, pressed in, all this stuff. So I started thinking. So I built this little, I call it, you know, a popcorn boat, <laughs> boat. but it was this little boat. But as they begin to pour that popcorn in, now, did I need all that popcorn? No, but they would pour and guess what I started doing? I'd shake it so it settle. I was pushing it down, and I got to that point of overflowing because I said, "Man, I want as much popcorn." As well. And at some point, I teach said, "Noe, that's enough." I was like, "No, you said whatever we build, we can put as much popcorn in as we can fit in there." Kept shaking. I said, "So come on." So this principle was going to work when we shake it, when we put it, when we fill it up to overflow. And at some point, she got frustrated. But you know what? This principle. That God will give back in this capacity. He will not shortchange you. He will give you abundantly running over full capacity, shaken together, pressed down. Will He give to you as you give? But what's the key element? You got to give. Well, I don't want to give. I just want to reap the benefits. That's not how it works. To reap scriptural benefits, you got to put scriptural work into place. Luke 16, 10, it says, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Now, this is, this is a humbling passage. Because how many of you say, well, if I had some real money, Lord, if I had a lot of money, I'd be faithful with it then. But you're not faithful with what God has entrusted to you now. Right? Use what you got. Ask the Lord how to manage it. You know, uh, Man, I made minimum wage. I remember working at Tractor Supply when we had Samuel, and I don't know how in the world we made it. Kids are expensive. Living was expensive. All of these things. I mean, I understand all of, the, all of the life situations and the hardship of being an adult and working through all these things, but man, we put that money to work. We continued to tithe and give God what was his, and I was like, Lord, ain't much I'm giving right now, but I'm gonna give, and we saw God provide all the provision we had need of and if I go back and I look at those end-of-year tax returns, I was like, holy smokes, God had to multiply because I don't even know how we made it. Anybody ever been through a season like that? Now, some of you might be in that season of making less than you've ever made. You say, Pastor, no, it's hard times. We're in a place of an of a economic almost breakdown. But i tell you what, in amongst economic breakdown, you better have godly principles working for you rather than against you. You have to be trusting God. But well, we got to give God what's His and believe God to bless the rest. If you can't steward well what you have now, whether it be a lot or be a little, you're not going to be faithful when you have a lot. You might be in a testing season of your life. Maybe you're looking for a new job or you're looking for more work or, or, or practically you just need more money. That's okay. So like, that's the reality sometimes, right? You need to be looking for more work or you don't, you know, because you know, there is a threshold of what it takes just to make it. You understand that, right? But God also calls us to work hard and work diligently, not to be lazy, not to be slothly, like where we're just like lazy. And we're like, Lord, just bless me. Get to work, bud. Get moving. Go make some money. Well, Lord, I've given, but I'm not going to put the work in. You know, if you're praying for God to move in your life and, and provide increase and, and you've been praying and asking God for it and you, and all of a sudden they ask you to work some overtime, don't turn it down. Well, Pastor Noe said I had to go to church. Well, I mean, you got to still do what you got to do to take care of your family. That's been one of these balances that it's so hard for people to understand. Sometimes they say, well, when we talk about church membership or being committed to the church, they say, well, well, I work shift work. And I said, man, half of our church works shift work. And there's overtime available and there's times, but there's this balance of trusting God for provision. And, but sometimes it requires work. They never asked me when I worked at the plant, hey, you want to work some overtime? Absolutely. Well, can I stay home and still get the paycheck? (laughs) No, I had to go to work. I didn't like it. But when I needed the money and I asked God to provide, the work tended to show up. It, It tended to show up, but it required something of me. But be faithful where you're at. Trust God with what you have now. Give as He puts in your heart to give and then see what He does. So money and possessions, did you realize that they are the second most referred topic in the Bible? The second most. Money is mentioned more than 800 times in the Bible. So the message is clear. All through the Bible, do you realize that nowhere in Scripture is debt viewed in a positive way? Some of you say, oh, I got all this stuff. Do you own it? Or are you paying for it? Because till you own it, till you own the title, till you own the deed to your house that you own it, you're still in debt. Now I'm not saying that it's not it's not against God's plan to not ever take out a loan or to pay on a mortgage, but if your plan is to stay in debt for the rest of your life, God has better plans for you than that. Right? We have to realize that debt is not a good thing, so finances, finances affect so many people in such a, a strong way that it would, it, would be, it would be ignorant of us to not pay attention to how we spend our money. You know, in schools, they don't really teach us what we need to know to be financially successful. I think they taught me how to write a check. Some of you are like, I don't even write a check no more. What the heck is a check? They're still out there. Kind of date you, right? You know how to write a check. But I remember that was the only thing I learned. They didn't talk about saving or like... You know, I think they talked about balancing a checkbook, which I'm really bad at that. I just look at my account. My mother-in-law busted me up. She goes, well, how do you know that's what's in there? I was like, because I just looked at my digital report. Well, how do you know it's right? Well, I'm just hoping it's right, and there's no duplicate transactions. You know, we've gotten in a lot looser society, right? You look at your account. I got 100 bucks. I could spend 80, right? You know, or whatever. You know, that's, that's the balancing. Now, now, hopefully everything's cleared, and, you know, without using checks, you don't have anything pending, Comes out right away. But I think we, we have to pay attention to our finances. You know, so our, managing our finances will be revealed by how we spend it, okay? So this is the formula that I personally practice, you know, in finances. I give, I save, and then I spend. I give 10% to God, I save 10%, and I live on the rest. This is the principle I personally live by. So I'm not preaching you something this morning that I don't apply to my personal life. Okay, So when we follow this pattern, also understand that it prioritizes the most important things to me. When I give to the church or I give to God first, it puts my dependence on God first. Okay, And then when I save, we're going to look in just a minute why it's so important to save, and then I ask God what to do with the rest. So I follow this pattern, and I really believe that when we implement this pattern, it will provide a financial blessed future. But in that specific order, we give, we save, and then we spend so in giving, so when you give to God, you know, make sure that He's the first priority. You know, I've seen so many people that that dig from the bottom of the barrel versus the top of the barrel. Well, how many of you know that if you wait till the bar- to the bottom of the barrel, you are trusting for your own provision, and then you hope that there's enough left over? But when I give from the top of the barrel, i say, God, I give you this, this right here. Do you realize that when we give and when we tithe, when we talk about this blessing, we talk about all these things that happens when we give to God, do you realize that 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 giving of the first fruits has the potential to redeem the rest. It makes all the rest multiply. Because if I don't give till the end, it's cursed to the bottom of the barrel. You really so so. I mean, I know maybe it's for some of you this morning, this is radical. You've never thought about this. You say, well, as long as God gets what He gets, it's okay. It doesn't matter really when I give, but when I give really matters. I've been in that position where I give at the end. It's like, oh, Lord, and then I'm really giving in faith. Well, I should have gave at the beginning so that he could really multiply the rest. But when we give at the front, off the top, he has the potential to redeem the rest. This this is a kingdom principle. You know, there was an offerings, there, there was blood sacrifices that were made in behalf of it. And this is just a continual principle that always happened. Pay God first. You know what I do? I treat my tithe like a bill means call that bad, call that good, call it whatever you want. But how many of you know your main bills? How many of you pay your bills that will cut off your lights, cut off your gas, will kick you out of your house? How many of you pay those bills? Oh, send it. Yeah, I got to pay those things. Those are important. Do we see the tithe like that? Do we see giving to God like that? Or is it an afterthought? Well, once I do all of these things I want to do, if there's enough, then I'll give to you. But I treat it like a bill soon as I get it, it's gone. And that's what I love about digital giving when it comes in. You don't have to wait for the next Sunday. Because I know sometimes when you wait, when, let's say you get paid on, on Monday and you're waiting to come to church on Sunday. Well, how many of you know that devil might bust you up in that week and he may entice you to spend that whole tithe, that whole 10%? Say, ah, oh, it's all right. You'll catch up next week. And then you get to Sunday, you're like, ooh, all right, Lord. And you're, you're asking God, but we're not applying the principles And we take that bait like, man, that's why, I I mean, I like to get it. I'm one of those guys out of sight, out of mind, get it out of the account. If it stays in the account, I'll spend it. Or I'll look, oh, we got a hundred bucks. Oh no, that's my tithe. But I'm not thinking that's my tithe. I'm saying I got a hundred bucks and I just spend it. And then I come to church and I was supposed to give a hundred bucks. And now guess what? It's a bad day. Especially if my my, my, my wife asks me, hey, can we give our tithe? And I have to say, oh, well, uh. So that, that's another thing. Who manages your money in your household? Mm, all the, some of the husbands are going like this. It's not me. If I don't give my tithe, this is my wife's fault. Come on, man. Got to be in agreement on that, right? All right. So, so we, when we give off the top of the barrel, it gives us the potential to, to give, uh, to, for God to really redeem the rest. So, um, gold, God really commands his blessing on his, on the seed. He commands his blessing on the rest. Um, you know, so, I know most of you have never considered tithing or giving 10%. I think I've spoke about that enough. You ready for me to move on? You're like, all right, we got it, Pastor Noe. You ain't got to talk no more, right? Giving is a big deal. So let me give you two categories of people that are givers or people that aren't givers. Givers will always say, I cannot afford not to give. That's what givers in the house say. And those who are not givers, they say, hey, I cannot afford to give. Right, We got to realize the difference there. So, you know, if, if you've never committed to giving, I encourage you to start. Start wherever God puts on your heart to do it. If you want to commit to that 10%, I encourage you to do that. If you got to start less and you don't know how you're going to do it, just ask God, say, God, where do I do? What do I start? And, and don't, don't just take my word for it. Please read scripture, see what it says, see if you think giving is important to God. And if it is, do it. You realize this is not a, a message to make me rich, this is to make you rich. This is to allow every spiritual, financial, physical blessing to be released in your life. We want to live the blessed life, right? Well, we implement the principles that will get us there. All right? So if you've never given, man, start giving. You will not be disappointed. I was thinking about this, you know, better to have less that's blessed than more that's cursed. I'd rather have less that's blessed than more that's cursed. All right, saving. All right. So how will we get to the place where it's a blessing to give to the Lord and to save money? Because now I'm not just talking about 10% giving, I'm talking about 10% saving. You're like, Pastor Noe, I could barely give this 10%, much less save this 10%. You're asking too much. You don't know the kind of God we serve. And when He begins to multiply that seed, you have more resources than you know what to do with, but we have to make sure we're being intentional about what we do with that seed You know, so to be able to give and save, you can't spend money recklessly. This is the key ingredient to this whole picture. It's not the 20% that is designated for giving and saving, it's the 80% that you spend recklessly. Let's think just for a moment of all the purchases that you made this last year, sitting isolated with Amazon ever before you, with prime shipping, it'll be here in two days. How many things did we buy that maybe were just impulse or it's like, I don't need one of those, but it's a great price. You know, I always, I always think it's funny when they'll tell you after you buy something, hey, you saved 20 bucks today, but I spent 200. So if you don't buy anything, guess what? You saved 200. They're making you feel good, right? I said, well, honey, I saved all this money today. Well, how much you spend? I don't want to talk about that. Right? But how do we spend that 80%? Okay? So God desires us to surrender that 100% of our finances. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying bring 100% and, and, and give it to the church. I'm saying when you get paid, say, Lord, this is all I got. And the reality, that's what it is, right? When you get that check or, you know, let's say biweekly or once a month, however you get paid, you look at that increase, you say, Lord, this is all I got. Maybe it's enough to stretch out and then some. Maybe you're at that place of where you're having to trust God for that financial provision. You look and say, Lord, it's not much, but what I have, Lord, show me what to do with it. And there may be some things that he asks you to to, to tighten up on or quit spending things or cancel subscriptions or quit all these excess hobbies that are spending a lot. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what God is going to lead you to. But if you're really serious about giving and saving, you're going to have to deal with the 80%, which is our crazy lifestyle of just spending money. You know, everything we do requires spending money. You realize that? Everything. Well, I want to watch this video. Well, you got a subscription there. You got internet. You got electric bill and the couch you're sitting in. And if you're really living it up, you got the foot massager right there, too, that you purchased. And then you holler at Alexa and say, hey, turn the lights down a little bit. Man, think about all of everything. You spend money on all of it. You're like, I don't spend it. Yeah, you do. We all spend money. And I, man, I thank God for all these things are so fun. You know, me and Becky were laughing last night because we were talking to, you know, Alexa versus Siri. Alexa is amazing. Siri's got to get with it. I holler at her, she won't even respond. I ask Alexa something, she'll say, hey, I'll tell you that. But also, did you know you can ask me what the weather is at 7 o'clock this evening? And I'm like, man, my kind of lady. Right? You know, giving me what I ask and even going one up. But all these luxury things, you know, they can really still us, rob us uh, of giving and saving. Okay, let me keep cruising because I'm going somewhere with this. So what's the big deal about saving? One of the biggest problems about growing financial wealth is excessive debt. Now, I talked about that debt is nowhere in the Bible seen as a positive thing. But if we have excessive debt, it's going to rob us of the blessing of giving. It's going to rob us of the opportunity of saving. And it's going to make life hard. Okay, saving provides you. You got to realize this for a safety net. For God forbid, something unplanned happens. How many of you know it's just a matter of time till something happens? And if we don't have a savings plan, or we don't have money that we've saved, guess what? Get the credit card. Go take out a loan. Interest rates, right? And, you know, now we're trying to pay it, and we're paying interest, and we, we get in a bond really, really quick. Now, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing, but if we never save, it can lead us to that place of excessive debt, okay? So when we provide, when we save, that provides us with a safety net for the unplanned events. Your car breaks down, tree falls on your house, maybe an unexpected medical uh, a deal. Also, Proverbs 22, 7, it says, the rich rule over the poor... I'm like, well, that's not a very nice scripture, right? Like, so if I'm poor, what are you saying to me, Pastor? No, right, right, or whatever, you know, but it says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave or servant to the lender. So that I, that's what I was talking about earlier. I said, just because you have stuff doesn't mean that you own stuff. You know who owns it? Prosperity Bank. TDECU. You say, oh, I got this in my house. You got the deed? Well, not yet, Pastor Noah. I'm only paying 152,000 more. All right, we'll see you in two lifetimes. Like, interest on a $150,000 house, have you ever done the math if you pay the minimum? Ooh, he's like, no, i never done that. Oh, let me give you, I'll give you an education. Paying over half a million for a house. For that little house? Absolutely, that's what interest will do to you. You gotta be smarter than the game, right? Just pay the minimum. You don't gotta pay the full amount off. They want that interest money. But as long as we're paying for things and we don't own things, we're a slave to the lender. So as long as you owe somebody money, consider you to be their slave. Well, I don't work for TDECU. Absolutely you do. Prosperity Bank don't owe me. Oh, yes, they do. They own the deed to your house. They own your car. You even got all your money with them. You got your whole life right there, right? You know, think, think about it. We think that, you know, but these are some of these principles. So, uh, you know, but when we diligently save, we become the lender versus the slave, when we, when we save, you know, and some of you, this is radical for you because you're like, I've never been able to save or I've never had enough in the bank account. There's no way. Oh, there's a way. It's called slow and steady. Okay? It's called being intentional about saving. Okay? You know, the only way to remove debt is giving like God encourages us to and saving and getting your finances in order. Um, I got a printout looking at the... Now, this was a printout right before COVID hit. Now, I'm sure it is way worse now, but looking at the financial debt deficit of, of, of most at, on the average, so the average before everything hit for, for an for a individual in the United States is $26,621. That's the average debt. Now, the cool thing is the last two years, in 2018, it was $38,000. In 2018, it was twenty nine eight. In 2019, it was actually going down. It was 26621 That's a good thing. Like, now... It's not good if you own it or whatever. But, but there, there was another staggering thing that says 13% of people expect to be in debt the rest of their lives. I just die with it. You know, I've had people that live like this. Like, I can't take it with me anyway, so I'm going to live it up. Man, you know, somebody's got to deal with that debt or all kinds, you know, it's not always a good thing, right? But if we look at that, there, there, there are so many people that are in debt and it's just, they're just okay with it. But that's not God's best. So, how do I start saving, Pastor Noe? You know, so this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 2 in the New Living Translation. It says, On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of your money that you have earned. Well, that sounds simple. Yeah, it's scriptural. All right. <laughs> it says, Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. So, what they were doing, they were taking up collections of a large sum of money to give. Uh, to, to Jerusalem you know, for poverty and famine, but they were taking up large sums of money. So th- the same idea still applies. How do you accumulate a large sum of money over the course of time? Most of you, like if I said, hey, I need $1,000 right now to put in your savings account, you'd like, oh, I can't do that. But how many of us said, okay, give me $100 a month. Can you do that? Well, yeah, but I don't want to. I didn't ask if you wanted to. I said, can you? I'm trying to get you 1000 bucks in your savings account, Right. And you just slowly every month put some aside. How many of you have problems saving? You just can't ever seem to save enough, or you can't ever put anything in a bank account? Everybody savers in the house? Some of y'all were real low, I like guess. <laughs> Pastor Noah, I don't want to hang my laundry out there. Hey, I'm telling you guys, some of this the enemy does not want you to realize the truth. He wants you to be indebted. He wants you to be up to your throat. He wants you to be stressed out. He does not want it to be a blessing for you to give. He wants to keep you shackled, just like we talk about so many things from um, alcohol to pornography to any addiction, anything in this life that will cause us troubles. The enemy wants us to be enslaved to those things. You know money can be the same thing? He does not want you living free like he has called you to. But God will break those things. He'll show you those things. So... You know, a goal. Where do you start? If it's ten bucks a month, start with ten bucks a month. Man, if everybody in this room can't start at ten bucks, we got to have a conversation after this me- after this sermon. Maybe it's twenty bucks. Maybe it's a hundred bucks. Whatever it takes, just start putting money aside. Get it out of sight. Get it out of mind. Some of you keep your money in your checking account. You're like, oh, I know, I got. You either got a buffer, or you got a buffer for the buffer. I've seen that. It's like, oh, I got a hundred. I always keep a hundred bucks buffer in there, and. And then it gets below that 100 and you're like, well, there went the buffer. Or or maybe you keep your savings in your checking, and you say, hey, well, I got my savings actually in my checking. So, you know, it's all, well, when did you start spending your savings and stop spending your checking? Like, how do you know when you, well, I don't know. I just try to keep a, get it out of sight, out of mind. Put it in an envelope, that that old way of grandma saving, put it in an envelope. Get it out of the bank account. You know what cash is, right, nowadays? It's that green stuff. So you can actually earmark and put away. Because another good thing with that, when you have it out of your account, you don't see it in your account, right? But start where you're at, okay? All right. So we got to be people that give. we gotta give people that sa- We got to be people that save. But what about the spending? So what are your spending habits? Do you know where all your money goes each month? Now, most couples do not want to answer this question. You don't want to, you say, we don't want to look at it because one of two things is happening. Either you're being reckless with your money or one or the other is spending all your money. And most of the time, do you know it's not the significant things that you waste all your money in? It's the small things? But most of you never really evaluate your spending habits. And maybe you get to the end of the month, you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. You realize you spend your own money. Don't blame Pastor Noe for spending all your money, right? You have control of that, okay? Um, But, you know, let me give you a freebie today, okay? Just because you can afford something doesn't mean that you should buy it. Hello? Hello? Anybody hear me? Just because you can afford the payments. I hear that all the time. You know, I didn't realize, which I put a huge down payment on my truck. My payments were super small on my truck. Yes, I'm paying on my truck hope to have it paid off in less than a year. Temporary debt, right? So I'm not saying don't ever accrue any debt or don't pay, but, man, make sure it's manageable. But, you know, there was almost this this bait that I took when I made that big payment and I started making those payments. I said, ooh, payments, I like this. You know what I can buy and purchase or have if I make payments? I was about this close to taking the bait, and I said, no, I'm going to live the debt-free life instead. Because I can have a ton of nice stuff if I want to make payments. But I never own it, and I'm in debt, and I'm paying interest. You know, that, that, that truck, they're going to take very little interest from me. But what is the principle I told you? I do not like giving away free money. You know, so we got to count the cost, right? But just because you can afford it, you know, and I think that when you're younger, which most of us are, I'm going to call it seasoned. It's the word I'm going to use. We should not be spending like we just got our first job and we just got our first paycheck. If we're trying to live lives of financial success. Okay? So just because you can afford it, don't buy it. Um, you know, the answer really is, you know, if you don't know where all your money is going, maybe you just need to evaluate that. But I would lean to the side, you kind of know where your money's going, you just don't want to be obvious about it, and you don't want to bring it to the forefront of where you're really spending all your money. How many of you are excessive soda drinkers? <clears throat> Those are real cheap guys, real cheap, right? Soda a day. How many coffee drinkers we got in the house? Aren't you glad that the coffee here at church is free? But I gotta pay for it. You guys do drink a lot of coffee. But think about it: Starbucks coffee every single day. Ooh, what's 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 a cheap coffee? Three fifty. Three fifty is not cheap. The smallest itty bit of Starbucks coffee is three three fifty. How much? Who knows? Six bucks for a small one. Hey, getting you. All right. Uh, so, uh, what, is, what is an expensive one? Eight bucks. Okay. Man, I'm not even gonna do the math. It's out of control. There's your issue right there. Quit drinking coffee or quit drinking Starbucks. Okay. So, but I think when we look at our life, guys. I, sorry, man. I know I'm gonna. Pro- I, y'all didn't start my timer, dude. I have no clue how long I've been preaching. An hour? I was like, ooh, I got to floor it. Hey, so I think most of the time when we look at our lives, we know certain things, but we like the luxury and we like the price tag, but it's robbing us of blessing. It's robbing us of the ability to give to others. It's robbing us the ability to save for a rainy day, right? So we need to really evaluate those things. So how do I figure out, Pastor Noe, what I'm spending? Take one month and track everything you spend. I don't want to do that. Well, what about my wife? Send her with a little notepad, too. I don't care. Like, both of you take one. But be honest. Be truthful about everything you purchase. If it's bubble gum, if it's a drink, if it's, hey, I'm going to get this. I mean, whatever. I mean, that's how you're going to figure out where you're spending your money. If you do that for at least one month, you will almost figure out where all your money goes. But I think you will be very surprised that it's not your fixed bills. Now, electric bill will fluctuate, Right car notes house notes all of these things you know they're fixed bills what it's gonna what is gonna bust you up and eat you up is your miscellaneous expenses so me and Becky call it but we got a lot of miscellaneous expenses well what comes out what comes out of miscellaneous expense anytime I go above and beyond I got the steak oh but I wanted the shrimp too like the extra you know hey let's get we only need one appetizer let's get three like I mean what I don't know Figure it out. I mean, but you are in control of that. But if you'll take and write down every expense for one month, you'll figure out where your money's going. Now, it may humble you. You may have to apologize to your spouse. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it's going to be. But when you look at it, it'll give you a snapshot of where your money's going, what's coming in and what's going out. Okay. So put the work in and you really appreciate that at the end of it. So um, because really, most of the time, guys, more money is not the issue. It's how you're spending your money. I have people say, oh, I need to work more overtime. Well, that's because you're living a luxurious life and all these extras and, you know, can you build your lifestyle around just base set hours, 40 hours a week? Some people are like, oh, no, i got to work that overtime because we've built that type of lifestyle. It's called living within your means, evaluating how you spend, what you spend. 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, listen to what this passage says. It says, some people eager for money, have wandered from the faith. So you're telling me, Pastor Noe, this money, pursuit of money can actually be a spiritual cripple to your life? Absolutely. See, there, there, remember I said if you've been praying for extra work and you get some overtime on a Sunday, take it. Now there's a difference of choosing to work every single Sunday for the sake of replacing your religion and placing money on the throne of your heart versus God on the throne of your heart. There's a big difference. It says, for the love of money, they have wandered from the faith. And this is, and it says, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, this does not sound like the financial success story I want. They've caused grief upon themselves. They've pierced themselves with all these griefs. They've wandered from the faith, eager for money. But this is where it talks about the love of money rather than using money as a tool like God has designed it to be. All right, so couples, we'll talk to you just for a minute. You have to be un- unified in your spending habits and handling your finances. This would be a good time to look at your husband or look at your spouse if you know where I'm going with this. You can't have a plan to save a lot of money and have one or the other spending recklessly. You have to be on the same page. You have to have the same goals. You have to be in harmony. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean that you don't get some luxurious, lovely things in life that you are so deserving of. But I'm talking about when there's times where you're hunkering down and you're trying to save or you're trying to get some things established, you're going to have to cut out a whole lot of stuff. But you deal with stuff now so that you can live later like you want to. You can get some long-term rewards from it. You know, I've heard of couples splitting up their money. Hey, this is my account. This is your account. I wouldn't do it. First and foremost, it gives you too much wiggle room to manipulate your finances. But I've learned that when you put everything in the same, in the same pot, there's just more to work with. Right? And it's our money, not my money. Well, I'm buying this. Why? I made the paycheck. Ooh, good luck with that. Got to find that. You, you got you to be all in. There's no longer me, myself, and I. It's, it's You're together with each other, right? So get on the same page with those finances. Um, keeping your money in the same account, you know, uh, focus on being transparent, being honest. You know, if there's some things that you're like, hey, honey, you just got to tell me no. Man, I thank God I haven't bought a guitar in years. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I got more guitars than I got children and pets. Like I add all of them together and I hardly ever play. Like, that's that's the, that's the excuse now. It's like, why do I need so, you know, but it's just, I, I, like I said, I don't know if it's being content with life or God has just really, you know, just kind of showed us where, where to give, where not to give. But, you know, Becky and I, we are really living in a season of just, I really feel financial thriving. When she wants to give, we give. I don't have to say, oh, hold on, let me, let me, you know, we have the ability to give. God has blessed us, you know, for everything we have need of. I feel like our children are blessed, our ministry is blessed, our church is being blessed. I don't know what else, you know, there's, there's nothing else that I would ask God for. I can't even write a Christmas list. Becky said, what do you want? I was like, I don't know. I already got it, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I mean, and I'm not saying that because I buy all these things. I just think God has got us to the place of where we're satisfied, we're blessed, we're able to give in every situation. I think, God, what would it take for me to give sacrificially? And he says, "No, you a lot. Because i blessed you a lot. And now that's how, that's how you know, it's like, because I look at my account a lot. And I was like, Lord, like, I, know you're, I know I'm preaching on sacrificial giving. I know I'm talking about being a good steward of what you have. And, and, and then at the end of the day, guess what's going to happen when I, when I leave this place and I go home? I'm going to have to look myself in the mirror and I'm going to have to receive everything that I just told you. I'm not exempt. I'm not saying, hey, you guys do this and I'm not going to do it. No, this is something that I'm going to be held accountable to God for what I do with what he's given me also. But as a couple, Becky and I have always strategized to be on the same page. Let, let, me, give you, let me give you a snapshot of, of the Kano's plan to get debt-free. Some of you guys have heard this. Some of you have not. I'm going to try to go through it quickly. Because I've I got to be getting close. I don't, know, I don't know when the heck I started. All right, so th- there, was, there was a plan when Becky and I got married to get 100% debt-free. We wanted to live debt-free. Now, initially, I said, there ain't no way I ain't making enough money. How in the world am I going to be debt-free when I can barely make it? So I know the struggle also. I'm not saying it was. It's, it's, you're going to live like that for a lifetime, but there may be seasons where you just are not making enough and you're doing a little bit, but you can't do a lot. But when we first got married, I married into college debt. Honey, I love you. I don't have any debt. And then I got married. So how many of you know when you get married, you get the good? Not so good. And, you know, whatever. We'll fill, in, fill in that last word, whatever you want to look at it like. Right. But we were in it together. So her debt became my debt. But we had school debt. You know, we were wanting to purchase a home, which we didn't purchase a home right away. So we were focusing on, on really paying off that school debt. So we worked hard. We prayed. We gave. We were giving extra. We were given to the church. We were working hard. We were given towards that debt. Um, well, we had a chance when our income tax came in to give a little bit extra and to take all of our income tax and pay off that school loan. How many of you know that that is not fun? But God said, are you serious about it or are you not? About being 100% debt free? But we knew that if we would eliminate that debt, that it would bless us in the future. It would allow us to give like God expects us to give. It would allow us to save like God expects us to save and thrive with the rest of the 80%. Because when I eliminate debt, guess what? That 80%, there's a little bit more to it. You know, I was looking at this uh, also. I think they said 40% of, of people's money goes towards debt. 40% 40% of your income. So, okay, so you gave 20, now you take away 40 You got nothing left. You're giving, throwing all the debt. So we, so, we were serious about eliminating this debt. So, we eliminated that school debt. And then we wanted to say, we knew a savings was important, right? So, saving up an emergency fund. How many of you know that's not fun either? Because what does a savings, I'm talking about emergency savings. I'm not talking about saving for a house or saving for, I'm talking just emergency savings. So let me, let me make sure I really clarify that. This, is a, this isn't a savings account that is just a rainy day fund. It's an emergency savings. It's in place that if anything happens, you could pay cash for it. And they're like, Pastor Noe, that is insane. You can get there, I promise. So the next time around, we had paid off that school debt. What we had in our heart, God was leading us to get the savings in place. Guess what? Income tax, man, favorite time of the year. Guess what we did with all of that income tax? We took all of it and we, be, we launched our emergency savings account. Guess what that money is still doing to this day? Sitting in that fun emergency savings account. We don't ever touch it, but if anything catastrophic ever happened, we have the cash on hand immediately. Now, somebody, This is a radical thing for some of you. Some say, man, I ain't got 10 bucks, much less an emergency savings. Like, and then the other question, you're going to have to figure out how much is enough. For an emergency savings. But I'm telling you, when you give, when you save, and you ask God to show you what to do with the rest, He begins to multiply. Or at some point you're like, okay, that's enough on the emergency savings. Now what do I do? So I'm giving to God. My savings is, you know, we continue to save, but emergency savings is in place. And now this is when this multiplication factor begins to be such a blessing of where we can just give. Anytime there's a need, we can give. Now, we believe in spirit-led giving. We just don't pass out $100 bills. But if God leads us to give, we give. I think I told you all last week about writing the check for a car repair. There's been multiple opportunities that God has just... He's not just asked me, He's tested my heart. He said, if I ask you to give, will you really give? Um, But as He leads you, man, be, be led in what He does. So... So check this out. So then we purchased a home. Hey, more debt. Yay. But opportunity, to what? To get out of debt as soon as you accrue debt. So our goal, same thing. Uh, we, we purchased our home, got a great deal on it, put a lot of love into our home. If you've ever been to my home, we've upgraded every square inch of it, but it's our home. And I think we paid it off in less than five years. Now, wasn't this immaculate? This wasn't this 150000 half a million dollar home with interest, right? This was, a, this was a home that we could afford that we felt like we could pay off quickly. But same thing. We were paying off this house. Man, income tax again is my friend. So four or five years later down the road, we're like, man, I think we can do this. We take all that income tax. We look at how much is in our account. We write that final check, and we own our home. So at, you guys are getting this? At some point, you can, You, you got to realize you can live a lifestyle of being debt-free, don't be like this 14% that expects to be in debt the rest of their lives. That's not God's best for you. That will really destroy the opportunity for you to give in the magnitude that God really wants you to give. So, how do we practically stay unified in our spending, Pastor Noe? You got to sit down together. You got to make a budget. You got to figure out where you're spending money. And then, you know, everybody, has, has, have you ever not done a budget? Everybody's done budgets, or you've at least heard of them, right? So you figure out where you're going to spend your money, and then you stick to it. Some of the best advice that I had about budget planning was, uh, I said, well, what if we set up the budget and we don't like it? I said, well, change it. So what do you mean change it? I said, it's your budget. You can do whatever you want. I was like, that's so freeing. You know, let's say I, need, I needed $50 more fund money per month just to make my life At least feel like, not like just slave labor forever. Like, right? It's like one thing, Lord. If I can do one thing a month, I'll feel okay. Right? Budget that. But budget your fun money. Don't just recklessly spend and call every evening fun money. Right? But you make a budget, you make a plan, and then you stick to the plan. Okay? All right. So once that budget's established, stick to it. All right. So I'm going to, just a snapshot, three things that will help you break free in your finances. Number one, follow the principle of giving, saving, and spending in that order. Some of you may say, man, I don't really give. Test God at that. You know, Robert Morris, uh, he's a big pastor in in Dallas. You know what he does? He preaches, if you start giving and you don't see a, a change in your finances, we will refund you everything you gave. Like Man, that's like a no strings attached, no risk, Whatever. Now I I don't. I'm not there yet, but Robert Morris is. He will refund everything that you gave. But what I have seen true in my life is that when I give, things change. When I save, there's more than enough. And then when I spend, it seems like there's just money there to spend. All right. So follow that principle: give, save, spend. Make a budget if you've never done it. Dave Ramsey has a a lot of awesome resources. A lot of those processes we have implemented. They are from Dave Ramsey's Financial Freedom, Peace University, all of these things. If you need help navigating that or would like some additional information on that, I can show you or direct you to that. Um, Be united in your financial goals. You know, if you're married or, you know, let's, let's say you're young, get with your parents. Make your parents hold you accountable to some type of guidelines. Say, hey, mom, dad, this is what I want to do. Well, hey, you know, let them help you, right? Okay? So set the same goals, be in the same account, you know, implement the same amount of discipline. All right, and this is a big one. Don't spend more than you make. Hello? Like, we're you know, you say, well, I don't know how I was in debt or how I gotten so far in debt. You spent more than you made on a regular basis. Then you got to the end and you didn't have enough. You know, so don't spend more than you make. Well, I don't make a lot. Well, you shouldn't be spending a lot then. Good? Let me keep moving. Um, submit all of your finances to God. So give God 100%, not just the 10%. Ask God for wisdom on your spending. Say, Lord, show me what to do in everything I make and see what He does. Um, ask God for wisdom in, the, in that spending, okay? Um, also, work hard and stay disciplined. Proverbs 24, 33-34, 30 it says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. In verse 34, it says, And poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. So what this means is do your part and let God do His. Work hard. Apply yourself. Don't be afraid to put the work in and then see what God does as He multiplies the rest. Work hard. Stay disciplined. You guys stand up with me. I'm going to close.